And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 58 today, Philosophy and the Dunning-Kruger Effect. Uh, check us out at Patreon, patreon.com backslash Mike and Maurice. And our website is Mike and Maurice Mind Um, also you can check out our guest, Andrew Tischler on Instagram at Andrew Tischler glass. Uh, without further ado, what's up? What's up, Andrew? How you doing? Not too much. Thanks for having me on. How's it going? Good. Good. Um, so you wanted to talk about uh, the Dunning Kruger effect, so let, let's let's jump into that first. Um, so why don't you uh, explain what the deal is with the Dunning Kruger, why it's significant, and why you've been, you know, uh, researching it like, like, you know, of late or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So it's a something I heard of. You know, actually, uh, John Cleese, the comedian, I think I sent you the clip, Mike. Uh, he's got a really funny take on the Dunning-Kruger effect, but it's something that I learned about, you know, a couple years ago. And then just recently, it's been that pattern has just seemed to be popping up more and more to me as like something uh, important just to recognize. Um, and, you know, so we'll just real quick, the Dunning-Kruger effect, it's, you know, if you ask someone randomly how good they think they'll be at something, let's say, like a certain skill, like maybe you're watching a professional sport on the television or something, you say, well, I wonder if I got to try that, how good would I be? People tend to rate themselves as understanding it a lot more than they actually do and that they would be a lot better at it than they actually are. Um, and so the reason is, is they, um, they're not, they're just not um, as uh, aware of all the subtleties and the nuances involved in the fields. So um, basically, uh, what's my point? Um, yeah, so it's a uh, you're just you're just it's a blind spot basically. You're just not aware that you don't know um, certain aspects of a, of a topic. Now, how how is it different than let's say, um, somebody that's like overly cock? Is it is it just like a cockiness? Like that's what I I mean. I was trying to figure it out myself. Is it like sure. a uh, a light form of um, you know, I don't even know maybe. Illusions of grandeur. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but almost like borderline mental personality, you know, like a psycho, not a psychopath, but something, you know, an yeah. egomaniac, maybe some something along those lines where it's like this guy's got a huge ego, it's inflated, and it like is does that play into it, or what do you think it is? I, I think not so much, only because um, the idea is that we all tend to fall victim to this kind of bias. Um, so it's something that's just sort of easy to to, to go through. Um, I'm not exactly, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about the exact cause. I don't know if it's egoism exactly, or um, I, I think it's just um, just kind of, it's a, it's a sort of naivete. You just haven't thought about the thing before. Um, so so if, I was watching a, if I was watching a movie and I saw an actor and I was like, oh, I could do that. Exactly. That better. That's so much it's, that, it's that subtle sense of I bet you I could do it better. So I, I think it's a Maurice does do that, by the way. <laughs> just point that out. Maurice is constantly telling me how shitty movies are. I could make a better one. I never just said pointing, I could. I just I'm just pointing that out there. Okay. Right. Well, that's that's what's so funny about it. So it's something that we all experience. So I, I think it's pretty typical. And uh that, that's again, it's another reason why I say it. it's literally a pattern I see everywhere. Um so it's it's just this idea that like uh 
basically the way I think about it is like I mentioned, it's a blind spot. So you just don't know what you don't know. So, okay. So here's the funny, John Cleese's funny take on it. Um, it's the same set of information that would make you good at the thing is the set of information that lets you know whether or not you're good at that thing. So it's a little bit confusing, yeah. but if you, if no, you it's will, just the space in your brain, right? Like, okay. So the energy that I spent on not knowing it and knowing something else took away from me knowing that thing is basically well, what you're saying no basically the information that you need to tell you tell yourself whether or not you're good at that thing is the same information that it takes to be good at that thing in the first uh, place okay yeah that's what i'm saying so okay so, so for instance you let's just say you went to school and you studied philosophy i went to school and i studied physics okay i if i pretended to know about philosophy it's because I put all my energy into physics. And I mean, I know that there's people that are just dumber that just don't care, period, about any of that kind of stuff. But right. I, I'm just saying in terms of, don't you think that has to do with putting all your energy into something else and, and therefore you want to have an opinion on something, but you don't necessarily know what you're talking about, you know, from that that kind of a, a standpoint? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, um, yeah, I could see that, but... I guess uh, it's it's just a I don't know I guess it's just describing a peculiar situation where you don't have the the thing that you know the thing that you need is the thing that you're also missing and so it's for whatever reason you're just not aware that you don't have the the relevant information um, I don't know yeah but do do you though because sometimes I think and I thought about this too I've obviously we've all done what you're talking about the stunning Kruger where you're like oh I could that or at least you've thought it in your mind I'm, I'm sure most people have at some point um but i think to myself like i know when i say it that it sounds wrong you know what i'm saying like i know right. when i'm saying it sometimes or i'm like no right. there's no fucking way you right. know well so that right there is the kind of the solution that i want to end up bringing up is is the the solution to the potential problem of the dying kruger effect um so but let's go let's take it another direction so so the way that i saw it popping up in philosophy is like let's talk about like again i like to talk about the word worldview so like what worldview do you walk around with every day okay so what i'm thinking of is you and i and kevin we all have like we're americans we were raised at a similar time in the same country under the same education system so you and we all basically share a really really similar worldview um but the funny thing about that worldview is most of it is not something that you and I like directly put our hands on and understood. You know, we know the sun's up there. We know that there's space rockets, you know, there's cars, there's, you know, tech, you know, technology, there's, you know, all this energy stuff, you know, like all of this stuff is going on in the world. We don't understand mostly any of it, but we all, we, we witness it every day. And so the Dunning-Kruger effect is that kind of, thing where you say like well it, it to me it, it's this idea that you're not completely blown away by every single little thing in the world all the time right it, and it would be unreasonable in a, for, in a certain way to to be completely blown away all the time but the reason you're not is kind of like to me the dunning-kruger effect is that you'll you'll see what is essentially a miracle like a car drives by but because you don't know because you can't tell and explain to yourself how much of a miracle that car is you sort of can take it for granted you say yeah you have the word car and you know that it moves you around but we don't know how it works and so that space between knowing exactly how it works but knowing what it is like all of that information is invisible to us when we see the car we don't even know we don't know we, we just kind of take it for granted and that sort of taking it for granted is, to me is a bit of the dunning-kruger effect 
on like a larger scale. It's something that we do literally all the time, taking something for granted. So if you don't, if you if you look at a thing but don't completely comprehend it, there's an element of the Dunning Kruger effect sort of going on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So and you don't know you don't know, so you don't have a moment to question it. That's really the thing is you're missing like these signals that like let you know that there's something you're not grasping. And so so that's that's why it's easy for all of it. It happens to all of us all the time. Um, it, it's actually, like I said, it's kind of a chronic thing that we're all faced with is we're constantly like not balled over with amazement by things. Um, do you think that's a construct of America or I, the way I would uh, kind of like one, one way you could think about it is it's an, it's like an evolutionary thing. You know, if you were that, if you were that monkey that was like constantly looking at every flower and every beautiful raindrop and bug and beetle, like maybe it's not, you know, evolutionary, um, helpful to be constantly questioning yourself right like it's if you're trying to survive you don't have any room or need to question those those other aspects of reality it's only when we live in a you know a time when we don't aren't constantly fighting for survival but it's the same thing so i think this gets back to it though is if you're a kind of person that's has a generally fearful mindset or perhaps worldview and you're constantly looking to you know make sure that you're safe and this is like you know again we all do this kind of stuff you might react to someone that makes you uncomfortable so, you know, you, you prefer to feel like you understand the situation rather than be in doubt. So there's benefits to accepting this effect. You know, it makes things, it makes you feel like you've grasped the, the thing. Um, but really, we don't understand most of anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how does that differ from, let's say, somebody, let's say somebody read a book, like one book, you know, uh -huh. somebody, you know, on biology. And right. they thought that they knew everything about evolution from that book. Is that similar or is that a kind of a different thing? Well, it, it's kind of funny because the exposure to the information or let's take a take, you're saying a particular field like biology, as, yeah. soon as, as soon as you get exposed to that information, it's supposed to make you realize how little you know. But I can see what you're saying, where sometimes that doesn't always happen. So I guess it depends on the motivation of that person. Again, that person that wants to be able to say, I know this, I know that. The reason they want to do that is because at the end of the reasoning is they're fearful of something. They want to come off in a sort of dominating way, like they understand the thing. And so it benefits them not to understand it. They can say they understand it. And so that's literally an example of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I understand this thing, but you don't. So that's kind of like, I think that is a window into the psychology of why people are constantly embracing the stunning Kruger effect is it makes them feel like they're in control. Could this go back to like some sort of evolutionary thing about how yeah. we're all competing and it's better to act like, you know, something than actually know that thing. If you don't know it, you know, yeah. kind of a that sort of power, you know, uh, politics. Yeah, I think so. Um, and that's I mean, why you, you even see that with like mystics and like there's obviously people that have some sort of real thing going on but then you most oh, of yeah. the people are charlatans that pretend or they'll be like uh, mentalists or illusionists or something along those lines exactly and again anyone that wants to take advantage of that you know you just can tell that the root of all of their behavior is fear and it's not always a good idea to follow someone who follows someone who's you know preaching this doctrine of fear but i agree so anyone that wants to say hey believe me listen to me i've got answers they're peddling fear that's actually what they're peddling is fear so it's, it's a really fine line you know like robert Anton wilson is someone that i sort of grew up academically listening to and he would always say don't believe me don't believe me go find out for yourself and that when someone starts saying that all the time that's a person to listen to is go find out for yourself don't believe me listen to me because i'm trying to help you but don't believe me 
go find out for yourself do that extra work and that go find out for yourself is what is the overcoming of supposedly the dunning kruger effect you can't just say i understand so um now is this just something that's uh do they talk about this from like a clinical standpoint too like is this something that can actually hinder somebody's personality or well i mean you know we've all had jobs and worked for people before and it's a pretty hard thing to work for a boss that doesn't know that they don't know how to do the job <laughs> and, right. and so i think it is it's a pattern that again the, when you start to recognize the pattern you start to see it literally everywhere playing out all the time um so again i i that's a great question i, I haven't done that psychological clinical research on the topic i'm kind of just sort of seeing it more in philosophy um so i can't quite answer that question uh, as far as the, like hardcore research i'm sure i'm sure that there is though because there are psychologists that came up with the thing so i'm sure they've done a lot of yeah sure yeah i'm sure there's different levels of it in each person too so exactly but so again like the way that it relates again to philosophy you know philosophy is the study of all knowledge right like what can we know is one of the questions of philosophy um but if you have this dunning kruger effect happening you don't realize what you don't know it's the blind spot about yeah. what you don't know and so it's like kind of you know the dunning kruger effect is like the, the antithesis of philosophy right it's the opposite of it <laughs> um yeah. it, and so philosophy is perhaps to me the solution to the dunning kruger effect and in a particular solution um particularly to me like the big thing to the the, the thing that you need to so once you learn that the dunning kruger effect is a thing that exists that's your only antidote for your own you know dunning-kruger effect isms if you know that it exists you have at least the opportunity to say maybe i'm wrong about this thing and that in that mindset of maybe i'm wrong that skepticism that is the birthplace of knowledge that's where you're going to start to learn something the maybe i'm wrong the wise man says i know nothing the more i know the, the less i the more i know i know not you know that kind of thing um yeah. and again, do you think it plays into though like so that sometimes we're just bored or we believe like we see something and it's just not, like you said or i think you might have said it a few mm -hmm. minutes ago something's just not impressive anymore you know like something's right. not as wow look at that so like f here's an example mm -hmm. um i just watched that movie free solo the other night if anybody that uh, hasn't seen that that's a right. fucking amazing movie okay sure. all right i'll rent it tonight you sold me it, it's uh it's free on national geographic i think i don't know if that you can find it on the internet <laughs> um but so watching that movie i was throughout the whole thing it was like there is no way even if i lost 100 pounds and started rock climbing every day there's right. no way i could do that there's just right. no way you know the, the, yeah. what i saw was nuts <laughs> right this guy climbed the high you know the the hardest climb in america or whatever without any ropes it's, it's nuts that. oh it's it's Terrifying. nuts. yeah so just from that alone it's like okay so that level is like amazing to the point. So if somebody is sitting there saying, I can do that, I think I that problem that person has a problem. Right. And again, well, so what's their motivation? <laughs> why, why do they feel they need to compete in that way? And again, like, you know, from what I've read, that's just a signifier that they're fearful in a certain way. They feel threatened by this thing and they need to overcome it. And, and so it's like uh and again, so the Dunning Kruger effect helps them accomplish that. They say, well, you know, they, and again, it's that thing. 
if you imagine yourself up on the cliffside, if you've never been there, you don't know all of those difficult challenges of what it means to be hanging on by your fingertips. Like, you know, I've climbed a rock wall before. It's really hard. You don't sure. know, you know, that muscle in your arm is going to get strained. Like, you don't know that stuff. None of that is coming up and springing into your imagination and saying, hey, this is a problem. You, you, it's not there. So it can't spring up and say, I don't know. So it's you know you you're you're you know just laying in your ignorance and um, yeah it's a it's a pretty funny thing and again I, like we all do it all the time so it's just one of these things that's really good to be aware of this pattern that your brain goes through it's a coping mechanism really yeah I mean I I think what I used to do is ex I used to externalize that when I was younger like in my twenties just kind of mm -hmm. this brash oh I can you know whatever I'll figure yeah. that out or right? especially you know, yeah the younger you are because you have less life experience and so well, but here's the other weird thing I I will say this so when I was learning to play guitar and trying to I would see people and be like oh I could do that so it would push me to go try and do that thing and in the process of doing that thing I would actually get better at it now oh. did I get to the level that I thought I could do you know <laughs> sometimes but most of the time it was just pushing me in that direction absolutely well so then there's a there's a a, a chart or a curve yeah, I, I have it right now it's hilarious you said that. <laughs> yeah so so if someone asks you, you know, how good do you think you'll be at playing the solo in, you know, Freebird or whatever, you know, you're trying to learn. Oh, I've, I've learned, tried to learn to play guitar as well. You know, the first time you ask yourself that, you'll say, well, I'll probably pick it up. You know, I'm probably seven. I or mean, eight. I was looking at You Enjoy Myself by Fish, which is a little bit sturdier than a Freebird. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, I was shooting for the stars, basically. Yeah, but so, but the chart, though, is as soon as you try it for the first time, that's when your confidence drops completely. And then you spend the rest of your, you know, your time working on it, slowly creeping back up until eventually you become as confident as you were the very first moment you thought about it. Right. And so it's this funny curve where you start at the top, you drop down completely, and then when you become a master again at the end of your life, that's when you're as confident as you were in that first moment. So it's right. this kind of funny well, this, circle. I was gonna say this uh, little graph actually shows that when you exactly. become a master, you're actually a little bit below that cockiness yeah you don't even blast, so. you, you'd be lucky to be as cocky as good as you thought you would be at a thing right, right. <laughs> exactly yeah so that's that's the shape of it um but nice, nice. what I uh yeah here i'll try and yeah if you can get it pull up, it up can... on the on the main screen hold on yeah it's like it's that, that chart's pretty it's, I think everyone's went through that, and we were making jokes about you know, me making movies and uh, ragging yeah. on movies, but the exact thing happened to me. I, I go, this is exactly. easy. You try and make it, you go, wow. you got to set up every little nuance, and it's there just, we go. And then boom, you shoot right to the bottom. Valley of despair. <laughs> exactly. You know? There right. you go. That's a good one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so when you look at it, I mean, it does make sense, though. It's not like it's just some fringe thing that, you know, no. it's not like astrology or something like that, you know? No, no. Yeah. I mean, Although I do have something to say about that. I do have something to say about that as well. We'll talk about that in a little cool. bit. But, um, yeah, I think this stuff's interesting because I think humans do kind of have these, like, template or... I mean, we're all different. Let's face it. We all have little quirks, different things, whatever. But I do think there are certain sets, if that makes sense, like different categories of mindsets that may be different in certain ways, but have like a general base of kind of what people are about, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Personality types or however you want to phrase it, yeah. Yeah. 
the yeah that that other personality types I, I don't necessarily agree with the kind where you see people posting like i'm blah blah, blah on twitter yeah. like i'm yeah e, e, I mean, t, whatever whatever those even mean i don't even know what any of that stuff means but um in terms of uh i don't i don't i don't think those ones but when i look at like uh stuff having to do with just like um you know you know, like I said, kind of like astrological stuff. Obviously, I believe more in astronomy and all that kind of stuff. And but in terms of, it's interesting to look at sometimes and be like, I am like that, and I know right. other people that personally that could you couldn't say the same things about. You know, so oh, I mean, yeah, I could go on and on about astrology. You know, I've, my views have evolved, you know, pretty drastically in the last couple of years. Um, but that maybe that's a good do a little bit of research and talk about that i don't know too much about it unfortunately but i mean yeah there's a there's a lot to be said about it um and there is there's it's a very woo-woo thing you know immediately if you talk about people like oh but it's just like if when the people that do look at it they're like oh that you know even if you read like um the no the reason why i'm saying it's a little different is if it's not like reading a, a fortune cookie thing where you crack this thing right. open and you can just apply it to anything you know i do think that our certain characteristic traits when you read like a horoscope like a real one done by somebody that knows what they're doing you know yeah for sure yeah well it, it, it you have to understand that and people probably don't understand this a lot of the time but the astrology comes from a different worldview than the one that you and i are taught to hold you know yeah the more ancient one well yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense in the modern worldview context. it's like it's like alchemy to chemistry that's the way i look at it yeah um but I mean, this gets on another thing I've been, I've just recently been thinking about, but it definitely, again, has to do with the Dunning-Kruger effect and philosophy and all that. But yeah, so let me just, let's just throw this out there real quick because uh, we're talking about it. But, um, you know, we're all aware of Copernicus, right? So Copernicus okay. was the one that challenged the idea that the earth was in the center of the universe. Yeah. Right? The heliocentric model. Yep. So we're, we're all pretty familiar with that episode in science where, you know, he, he proved mathematically that, that this made more sense. And it took a certain amount of time for people to accept the fact that the earth was not at the center, the sun was at the center. Right. So there was this revolution in how we viewed the world. And, and something that if you look into the history of how that actually happened, it was a lot bigger than just an astronomical fact. People that believed in the pre-Copernican worldview believed that the Earth was the center of the entire universe and that it stood still and everything turned around the Earth and that there was the vault of the heavens and it was still a very Christianized worldview and it was very, you know, again, like astrological, magical. It was right. a radically different worldview. So the Copernican one that we all have now, um, I just want to talk about the fact that that was a revolution in science and that it took time for every single person on the Earth to go from the or the geocentric to the heliocentric, right? It wasn't proven until Galileo could even right. look out and say, hey, that, right. that is right, you know? So, so, but the reason I bring that up is that we are actually in a very similar position right now in history, but the, uh, the, the revolution that's occurring is, is, was kicked off with the quantum mechanics. So quantum mechanics radically, radically challenges, and in fact, it broke the worldview that we held before about how we thought that little particles worked, right? It completely broke that. But what's interesting is that there hasn't been a person that's really established the next theory yet. And this right. is over a hundred years now. So it's we were like, talking about that with uh, Brian Keating, this guy that was up for Nobel Prize um, right. and wrote a book about it. But yeah. um, and he, even he admits like, yeah, there's so many scientists with so many different competing views and it's so right. political. So right. even when you think you have something good and it is because it's scientific method and you have to 
recreate it and prove it and different stuff yep. that there's still a bigger picture that we just don't understand. Even if we were to keep chipping away, chipping away, right. we, might, we might not ever get to the point where we're at the core of this thing. Well, I, I won't agree with that exactly because for me, what it shows us is that we need to have, we need a totally different model. We need a totally different worldview. And so there are, like you said, string theory, and there's all sorts of people that are trying to propose that. But as long as we stay within the world, the, the worldview that we were given originally, it's impossible to solve those problems. But, you know, the whole thing about science is trying to solve as many of the problems with as few of the assumptions as possible. So it's just when you when you put the problem correctly, the, the answer is a lot more forthcoming. Um, so it's, it's possible that if we get the model right, a lot of these mysteries that seem impossible to solve now will be possible to solve. And so, again, the reason I bring all that up is that it's just... First of all, it's a, it's nice to recognize that you know we're living in this time where our old assumptions need to be challenged, but there's nothing to replace them with. So we're living in this really really exciting time, and again, so but we're not really acknowledging that we're, we're more having this Dunning Kruger Dunning Kruger effect that you know we think we know how the world works, and so we say like, well, astrology is bullshit, but that's from the old worldview. So if, what what would it look like in the new worldview is my whole point, and uh, there is just there's we're just on this huge horizon where no one can really say for sure what is real and what's not anymore you know this and i don't mean to be woo woo about it you have to be very scientific but there's just a lot more possibilities now with a new model the new model can just give us a lot more insights than the old one did and uh i, I find it almost frustrating because very few people are acknowledging that we're in this really exciting time where like literally the the, the nature of reality is is being challenged well you've um, got uh yeah you got all the new different science stuff coming out you've got ai that's becoming huge you've got psychedelics which well, i don't even mean i mean i agree with you but i just mean like physics and like how like, oh yeah yeah, yeah. but even that i mean look we're, we're i think we're falling back on our old ways too because most of the scientists that are studying that are falling back on this multiverse theory now so it's like yeah. they keep pushing to this other thing when they haven't even proven the other like the big bang still isn't even proven well, that's right so so that it's just really it's a really exciting time um and again it just it shows that like you know it's just really worth it to try to challenge typical assumptions and so like a, like a worldview is this like dunning kruger kruger goggles that you put on and it answers these things for you and it doesn't it doesn't leave room for questions any longer you're like oh well i know how the world works but but the point is is that those goggles are wrong we know they're wrong that's so, scary uh, too because that's the way most people feel about science most people feel like they went to school for you know 12 grades or whatever longer for college you know uh, yeah, if you're yeah. going for to become a scientist or yeah you're going for a lot longer whatever so even then yeah. even even then but you've all you've like okay so the difference between a scientist and somebody is out of college is that somebody just went to school for five to ten years longer maybe yeah. no exactly but they're still working with the same model and is and right right that's what i'm saying and i'm not saying that that's exactly. not amazing and those people aren't on the frontier of, of all this stuff i'm right. saying that they are still a human being with cognitive bias that yeah. is still no, pushing an agenda where we're supposed to just believe when there's plenty of smart people that could just be doing the same thing you know like i, th I think that that was your post that you made on Facebook that I reached out to you. Um, I mean, obviously we talk and stuff, but you posted something about continuously continuous learning, even when you, you know, when you're older and continuing to right. find, find out things and, and exactly. have a, a, you know, a, a curiosity for different topics. So I think that that's where that comes into play is like, even right. 
scientists that think they know it all. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're doing research and looking at other people's yeah, stuff but too. But true. yeah, like our worldview is one where we try to we we think that it's enough to just get a primary education, and then we can say, well, now that I know how the world works, I'm going to plan my life accordingly. You know, I, I, but with all these assumptions built in, basically these authoritarian assumptions. This is it's a it's a, essentially a way to be to be ruled over, you know, that someone tells you how to feel about your, you have one life to live and right. someone tells you how to feel about it when you're a child. And now we live our entire life in this bubble that we know is wrong from based on the scientific research yet that we're not challenging ourselves to get out of. And so that, that to me is again, the essence of what's kind of terrifying about it is that, you know, I, I've got this one life and they're telling me that, I'm particles, I don't have free will, and I'm gonna be dead when I die, and none of it matters. There's this whole like I don't for me this stuff this stuff is always just so loud in my head. And but the point is that none of that is proven. None of that is proven. So we can open that back up to like ideas that come that really, you know, that feed our heart and soul and make us feel more whole. We There's something open- depressing about that though, isn't there? Like about that that worldview the uh let's say sam harris well that's what i'm trying to richard dawkins worldview where it's like you know there's something and i'm not look this is this is what i'll say and i mean we do some pretty fringe and woo-woo topics on this podcast and i enjoy it because i like looking into the stuff and some of it's bs and there are things to some of the things so it just depends on what it is but i think there's something romantic about looking at that side of life and it gives you like um Yeah, hope that there is, you know, it gives you a purpose. And I understand that what the humanist, you know, perspective is, is, oh, I'm just, you know, this, this life is my God and I'm going to do everything I can to be the best person I can while I'm here. And that's great too. That philosophy works too. But I I think you see a lot of those people demonizing the people that want to have that, that, you know, romantic thought of, of life, you know? Yeah, because I mean, this is I was, you know, the, the basically like the end of the bottom bones of the conversation is that unless you are an absolute transcendent expert on a topic, you don't have you don't have the opportunity to state anything about it. Right. And again, none of us are transcendent experts on anything. Right. Yeah, and so right. the idea that we can live in a stagnant worldview that we're sure about is itself a falsity you know anytime that you say well i already i just know i feel this way about the thing you're missing an opportunity to like challenge that opinion and so it's just it just sort of points to this again it's it's taking away the mundane and pointing towards the absolute miraculous about how miraculous life is and that you know you could get out of bed and just be just stunned by the sunlight and by everything you know like a psychedelic trip where it just reminds you that everything is just completely stunning that we don't have to live in this boxed in worldview and and not only that it's more romantic but it's more scientific to get out of that worldview you know it's it, it doesn't have to be that we're just turning towards something that makes us feel better although it does make us feel better it's my whole thing too is that it's way more scientific to start looking at more broader options than the one that we're given so it's just it's just like once you get a hold of this pattern you start to again see it everywhere and you see it pervades all the levels of your life and you're like wow okay so this is like a little grip hold where i can move and, and grow myself from by by acknowledging what i don't know it's just it's such a powerful thing so like i said it's just you see it everywhere these patterns everywhere isn't that a, a tesla quote too it's like one science realizes that by studying the metaphysical, it'll make more progress, you know, leaps right. in progress in right. this amount of years. Or so. It was something like along no, those lines. I, I remember that. I didn't think of it, but yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly. But doesn't that make sense too? Like 
I think he was looking at things from like beyond the edge of things. And from there he was finding stuff that wasn't being found before. When most scientists look at things, the way they work from the process from the ground up as about, as opposed from the, you know, right. So I'll give you my metaphor that I explained to myself when I, when I think of exactly what you're saying is there's two types of scientists, you know, again, it's the simulation theory metaphor. So let's just go with this thing. You have a, let's say we are in a simulation. There's the type of scientist that studies the pixels that they see. They, they study this, what the simulation gives them, right? They study the reality that the simulation presents them, and they, they do the science on that. But then there's another type of scientist that actually gets outside of their own particular simulation and studies the code, and not just for their simulation, but for everything that is on that entire computer, right? right. So if, you, if you're mistakenly, and this is what Maya means, this is the world is illusion. The world of our senses is an illusionary world. That's what that means, is if we're in a simulation, the thing that the simulation wants us to see is a physicalized version of the actual code, the actual reality of the thing. And so if you're stuck looking at the, 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 the simulation, you're going to miss out on the, the whole code, the, all of the code for the every other you know, program and every other reality that, the, you know what I mean? So it's either you're studying the thing that it presents you or studying the actual thing itself. That's how I look at two scientists. You have a lot of scientists that are really good at studying the the simulation, but they don't even know that there's anything outside of it. And and that's what's so funny is they can't explain any of their theories. None of their theories make any sense without that other science, the other science that Tesla's talking about. So that's how I look at it. You can study the one simulation or you can study the thing that makes every simulation possible, metaphysics. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's a good path for sure. Exactly. A really powerful metaphor for the new type of, again, this is the new worldview. The old worldview is we live in a single reality and it's all that exists. But the new worldview is that we live in a single reality amongst not not the multiverse theory that you get told where every time you make a decision, there's a new Kevin, there's a new Mike and you split, you know, yeah. the one Mike did, not that. I'm talking like way vaster than that. Like, mm-hmm realities with different types of physics realities with different types of beings realities you know like you know if you read some of these people swedenborg and robert monroe from tom campbell like they tom campbell they go to different not planets they go to different realities and talk to different beings on different planes and you know what i mean so that it, which which world do you want to be in like i could tell you which one i think is more compelling and yeah so yeah, i think rudolf steiner was dabbling in that stuff too. exactly i mean he goes and just it's amazing, you know, Swedenborg, Steiner, the thing with Steiner is he doesn't commit it to paper. He never tells you about those experiences, but like Swedenborg is one that gives you a, a couple glimpses behind the curtains at the experiences he had. So it's, it's so frustrating that Steiner doesn't talk about it. And he's got this kind of uh, personal c- code that he follows. There's a reason why you don't talk about it. But the Buddha did the same thing. The Buddha never talked about his actual experiences. He only wrote about what would get people to those experiences. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, and look, most of this stuff is just perception too. You know, like I don't know what things look like. You know, if I if somebody put me in your brain right now and I was your consciousness, I would. It would probably pretty be pretty jarring. Like you, you know, yeah, like yeah. pretty alien. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that you know. Well, I will say real quick because I like that you bring that up. Steiner, my very favorite book is The Philosophy of Freedom. I kind of get like a whole, all of the foundational knowledge. The reason I can talk about anything is I would, you know, that's where I learned a lot of like this new worldview I have. So it's a really great book, but he talks about that. If you were to say, take like, you know, 
an alien or something like that or another a being with another type of body. But the thing he actually makes a really interesting point though, is that with percepts, with things that you see with your senses, that's one thing. But with concepts, it's actually a different ballgame because there's you can't have a different concept of a triangle than an alien. If, if it's a three-sided figure, it's a triangle. It doesn't matter what species or what reality you're in. So, so the code is transcendent, but the percept, the simulation is dependent on the, on the body of the individual, on the world they're in. But there, so there's, a, there's an objective and a subjective side to everything. And, but the fact that the objective does exist and that we can get to it, we can all agree about what a triangle is, that gives us the potential to agree all of what like love is, for example, or these higher values that we think are abstract. They may actually turn out to be objective that anyone can grasp them despite what their consciousness is like. So it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting point. Yeah, I mean, love's pretty interesting in itself. It's a, yeah, I like nobody to go. Can, nobody can really explain it. You know, it's a feeling. Well, um, well, no, see, you got to be careful though, because this is this is what philosophy of freedom is all about. Again, this is a very particular worldview that I've been developing for a long time. But for Steiner, I, I like to go through. I have this like sacred trinity, right? So it's existence, freedom, and love. Those are the, the three parts of this trinity. So the fact that you exist means that you're here to do a thing. If you weren't, if there was nothing for you to do, there wouldn't be any reason for you to exist, right? So there's gotta be something going on for you to exist to do. Well, the doing is an action. So that means you're, you have a sense of freedom. You, you are able to do something. You are free to do something. So the fact that you right. exist proves that you are free to do something. Um, and then the thing about love is that if you, have, if you wanna commit a loving action, you can't be told to do that thing. You can't have a God tell you to love him because that's not love anymore, right? That's that class of thing. You can't be compelled to love something because then that's power. That's, uh, you know, like you're, you're influenced. Yeah. You're not free to love them. So you have to be free in order to commit a loving act. And you have that's to. That's why people think the dem the, um, the God in the Old Testament's a the demiurge from Gnosticism because exactly, right. you, you shall not love any other God, but me, you should not hold any, you know, like I mean, right. he's got so an inferiority complex. If you really created everything or whatever right. you, you wouldn't. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's an absurd thing. So a love cannot be compelled. So love has to be free and a person has to exist to be free. So this is the sacred trinity that love is the same thing as freedom. And it's the same thing as existence, existence, you know, they, in order to be free, a free act is always a loving act and it's this whole it's a little bit convoluted and that's whole steiner's whole that's what the philosophy of freedom is about is that if you can transform your actions from something that's compulsive by nature to something that you choose to do for yourself through your own knowledge then you can start making loving actions so you may be you may do something correct by nature but according to steiner that wouldn't necessarily be a loving act because you don't know why you're doing it but if you know why you're doing it, then you're free to do it because freedom and knowledge are the same thing for Steiner. So it's this whole thing. But so love for Steiner is uh, it's a it's a it's a point of knowledge, and it's actually something that you you know it's an it's an action. Love is an action, not a feeling. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry to go. That's the whole. I, I think love is is beyond that. To be honest with you, I think love isn't. I think love is something it's not an emotion it's not a fee i said feeling but that's the only way right with words it's beyond i mean it's it's something that's metaphysical or transcended beyond just this 
meat body or these meat bodies that we have like i i I think it's something that's if consciousness we find out that it's beyond just our own brains and extends out into whatever i think proven but yeah right but we'll we'll find you know i think we'll find some some breadcrumbs on love there probably oh absolutely like I, i think the entire i mean love is the is the transcendent nature of reality love is like the foundation of all of reality um well yeah that's the basis of um what's his face uh tom campbell's my big toe is that everything the entropy funnels down to love so i mean i can get like i said i I like his books i like his philosophy i can get down with it there's certain things i i don't agree with that he says and certain things you know but it's just it's like he said it's there's going to be things that change or whatever his thing's more of just like a platform to to work off of you know so absolutely yeah, well, it's hard um, to it's hard to agree with everything from one particular person. We're all individuals, right? We're not yep. the same, so and how again, could exactly. you agree with every single thought from one person? And it's and it's again, it's that back back to this whole the message of this episode anyway is that it's not even really important to agree or disagree in the moment. Everything is just information that you can work with and hold and move forward with and react with. But you should always be skeptical of everything you believe, and then skeptical of things you don't believe. You got to be got to be able to challenge on both sides. And so yeah. that's interesting you say that though. So back to the Dunning Kruger, it works the opposite way too. Like you could sit, have the most amazing experience, tell people about it, and they won't they won't believe you, even wow. though it, they could believe if it was in a story that that could happen to them. When yeah. you actually tell somebody that's the case, or hey, I just you know saw an alien or they'd be like no you didn't i you know but if they saw a movie you'd be like oh if i was gonna see any you know i'd do this or you know whatever yeah, totally and th- this is actually another a, a second whole uh aspect to the dunning kruger effect that i was as i was thinking about this episode and all that I, I thought of um it's not just knowledge that's invisible to us like you're saying it's also other people's experiences in life so it's impossible to know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes that's that classic thing and you'll never, I mean, you'll literally never have the opportunity to do that. But to think that you have the ability to override their experiences, that's that ultimate sin against knowledge and whatever. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect to say like, well, you know, I hear what this person is saying, but I just don't agree with them. Well, of course you don't, because you literally could never know why they're saying what they're saying. But that doesn't stop the validity of what they're saying. And so if you recognize your own inability to, te- to have those, to recognize those experiences, it, it makes you more, it's about empathy. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, and I guess empathy is, you know, it's, uh, it's you don't have to walk in their shoes. I, I think empathy is, it, is loving them despite having not walked in their shoes, right? Like I don't need to be there to know that I can accept what you're saying. So it is a very difficult thing, but uh, yeah, the personal experiences are, are another I mean, that's a fundamental thing with Dunning-Kruger effect. Well, the reason why I bring that up, too, is let's talk about um, Plato's cave for a second. Okay, cool. Um, so the basis of it is that there's these guys that are tied up and they're facing, you know, cave wall. And yep. there's a fire in the background. And the only thing that they can see are these, like, silhouettes on the wall or these figures. Yeah. Um, one day, and they're, they're the whole time, they're, they've been tied up the whole time. right. right one day the one guy somehow gets out or they let him loose or something and he goes out and he <laughs> sees what life is like from yes, from yes, from yes, the, yes. you know yep. and he, he comes back and he tells he tries to explain what's going on and the guys don't believe yep. him and they don't understand yep. um so that's kind of what we're talking about that's here exactly, like 
Beautiful. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Cause so what, what they see is a one dimensional shadow of the object, but what the person actually sees is every little intricate thing that makes up that shadow. And so that, that is, that's the transformation from not knowing, but thinking, you know, to actually knowing, or even to just being like at the bottom of that well being like, well, I just, at least I know, I don't know. At least I know it's not those stupid shadows. Cause yeah, no, that's ex I think that's a really great example of how the Dunning-Kruger effect works and how hard it is to convince people. And so, like I said, the whole, the, the thing I would take away from this episode is that you'll never get all of the knowledge, but you can at least remind yourself about the Dunning-Kruger effect. You can know that the Dunning-Kruger effect exists. And when you get into an argument with your spouse or with a neighbor, or, you know, if you're, with a professor or your boss, you know, you can step back and say, well, you know, we're both experiencing this Dunning-Kruger effect thing and you, you get an opportunity anyway. Yeah, I, th I think um, there's actually this book, I think it's called, it was, uh, I just read it, it's Real Magic by Dean Radin. I highly oh, yeah. actually, I highly recommend it if you haven't yeah, read Dean it. Radin, he's, he's awesome, yeah. He's got some uh, cool philosophy stuff in there and I, I mean, mean, the book's about psi work but you know did you did you watch that movie i told you by the way i haven't gotten to it yet like I, i've watched so many of the documentaries but I'm, I'm sure i'll also learn i i don't know much about pat price i'm, I'm definitely gonna have to get to it yeah yeah it was um i didn't know i mean i just knew the stuff that we've talked about and watching yeah. some of those videos on what those guys were doing and stuff but uh it's amazing yeah i mean it should be uh I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's kind of in history now. So what, what's going I, on, you know, like what's been progressed since then. And what, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of amazing. Like one of the, the points he makes in his, uh, it's, I, it may have been his Ted talk that got banned, uh, Russell Targ, or maybe it was another talk that he did, but he he'll, he'll make this joke. He was like in the eighties, you know, ESP existed. Like, you know, they talked about it on the news. There were right. you know, articles written about well, it. This movie, half of the, the clips they show are interviews with like Ted Koppel and right. like main so, news people. That's right. But then at some point, like in the 90s, when they disbanded the program and the government, like, you know, the government and the media all just decided to just pretend it just didn't ever existed. And now it's not even in the popular conscious. You know, people really don't, you know, they've heard of psychics, but they don't, I've never heard of any of this stuff. But like you're saying, it's history. It's happened. It's already on paper. Like, right. it's all there. Like the government uses psychics. The police use psychics. Wealthy people use psychics to, to you know, that's what the that that Pat guy stuff, was a man. that guy was a, a sheriff or some sort of cop and he was able that's to see right. crime crime yeah. scene stuff yep. while he was doing the job, like one of these, like, uh, yeah, and then he would use it to help him. So they started calling him in on all these different things to find yep. things and do yep. things. And it's like, you know, I even just hearing you describe it, like all the woo woo alarms go off in your head, right? Like, oh, this guy right. can do crime scenes, but that, I mean, first of all, like, just notice how Hollywood primes us to make that out to be something that's fictional by yeah. telling the story all the time, but in a sensationalized yeah, they, way. They call it the laugh exactly, factor. Bro, I've, exactly. I've seen this with both UFO stuff and yeah. the like size the, stuff uh, is the laugh factor. So if you make something sound so ridiculous yeah. that it couldn't possibly, so this plays into the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's, it's, so, it's a using this psychology to like yeah. affect what people do and don't do. So it's amazing. Like, I mean, you know, I've come to the point now where I consider our education that we received as children to be nationalistic indoctrination yes. because it was never meant to make us learn, you know, how to learn. It's not learning how to learn. It's being taught particular facts. So we all have this nationalistic idea of what our country's history is. We have this national. Yeah, learn idea. this and you're done, you know? 
Yeah. And so, and then, and then the point is, is the more you do actual research, you find out that all of these fields, even the fields of science are, are in some senses, in some fundamental senses, they have paradoxes that they're not. So it's just like, you know, it's just pretty shocking to me, like, you know, trying to get out of these. I think it works its way all the way. Even the smartest people. Yes. Have cognitive bias. You can't get around. You can say that you don't have cut you or you know you don't use confirmation bias or you don't use cut. You do. Everybody does. I mean, even I've seen it on. Kevin, Kevin doesn't like this guy, but Brian Cox when he was on <laughs> Joe Rogan, he's yeah. a, a theoretical or a um, quantum physicist <laughs> and, and an astrophysicist. He, you know, the stuff that he says, it's like, dude, you don't have empirical evidence for that, but yet you're making it seem like you're going to these bishops and telling them how the world works and stuff. Well. It's so, they have a they have a philosophical view that I'm sure you don't you couldn't even wrap your head around. So again, you know. right? No, and that that's just another uh, so the perfect little reminder. Something I just wanted to just keep putting as little nuggets in the episode is that unless you're a full blown complete massive expert on a topic, what's even the point of expressing your opinion? And you know, so yeah, when this physicist goes up to this you know clergy member and they have a conversation, I mean, what's really the point, right? Like. Like you're saying, none of, none of them are really able to have the conversation because they don't know, understand each other's points. They're just talking by each other. So it just shows that like, if you really truly want to be engaged in learning, it takes a lot more effort and, and earnest you know, engagement from yourself than to just get on stage and whatever, yeah. So I do, I find the hubris of like Neil deGrasse Tyson and all these people just so, you know, I remember once one of his things like, oh, let me tell you what happens when you die. And he starts describing how the body decomposes. <laughs> and it's just like, how can you say, how can you get on stage and television and say, let me tell you what happens when you die? That's, that's anti-scientific. Yeah. Terrible. No, I mean, that's just what, that's where we live. That's yeah. what, what it is. Everybody wants to be on TV. Everybody wants to be the, the voice of reason. Everybody wants to, well, hey, look at me, you know, and yeah, we and live in an age now where it's accessible to everybody. So people right. do have the platform to, you know, shout yeah. platitudes from the highest, highest mountaintop. Yeah. If yeah. someone says, believe me, you know that they're a fearful person or they're playing towards your fears. So it's just, just watch out. Don't, don't believe anybody. <laughs> Don't believe me. Look at yeah. Up. We got to get to a point where it's all love and positivity, and yep. instead of this like low frequency, this high, we got to get to that high frequency. You know. I dig it. Yep. And again, it's, it's about that worldview. So I, again, I hope hopefully this episode reaches some people, and they, you know, they now they know the Dunning Kruger effect exists, and they can say this well, episode will reach people, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm gonna jam it down every motherfucker's throat <laughs> yeah. until they watch this shit. That's why this is gonna happen. It's already been posted 15 times. Perfect. Yeah, again, because we didn't really we didn't talk about anything particular. We just talked about something that we don't know, right? So it's like it's just a nice little nugget, something to take with you. And and isn't you know, that where you start though? Where 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 we don't know. Let's not yeah. start from. You know, Let's start at the peak and then yeah, because some of those building blocks are a little faulty in my opinion. So That's right. you, you have to start the first, you know, the, the whole the whole way knowledge works is you come across something that you realize you don't understand, and so that's that miracle of the the Dunning Kruger effect gets wiped away for a second. You say you got to oh, build God, that I pyramid. Don't know what's going on here. Yeah, yep, it's cool. Yeah. Sweet dude. Well, thanks for coming on, and we'll definitely have you back on when you come up with uh, your latest and greatest. Uh, research but uh, this was awesome i think it's a great topic and i think it applies to you know this age of technology and this modern way of thinking and there is some sort of little um, thing happening in society right now so uh, hopefully it gets to the people and people start making the right choices so yeah people are waking up so you know it's a slow but sure thing i agree 
Who's on? All right. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll catch you guys next time. Uh, we'll actually be back tomorrow night uh, with our buddy Jack from the Trip Whip channel. So uh, check you guys tomorrow. Peace. Later. See ya.